Welcome to Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach. And I'm Rocky Peterson, Yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Hey folks, we're back for another episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, and I'm Rocky. And I'm Natalie. And today we're going to talk about focus on pleasure and connection. And that is maybe something that you've been waiting for because, well, I mean, that's what we're here for, getting off. And you would think that getting off has something to do with that focus on pleasure and connection, or at least the pleasure part. But I would say that, you know, for the pleasure to happen, the connection has to happen. And so connection is delving into it, you know, diving a little bit deeper into how we get to pleasure without having, you know, to, well, I mean, we, our, our propensity is that we want to just go right straight to pleasure and, you know, connection is just going to handle itself, right? Well, maybe not. And so we're going to delve into, you know, why pleasure can happen better and more frequently and with better richness with connection. Natalie, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm a little on the fragile side today, but I'm excited to talk about this topic. Our main goal on this, this show in particular is to continue to drill home this idea that an entire world of pleasure opens up when we take the time to create emotional safety and intimacy with each other. We collectively, as humans, we're still really, really, really rocky at this skill. I personally am someone who has been working on how I connect intimately, how I communicate, how I show up with others for many years. And I still run into difficult situations with other people with messiness and discomfort and where we feel like we messed it up. We created a big old mess together in an interaction where there were differences in ideas or perspectives or ways of thinking about the situation or unspoken feelings that hadn't been communicated. And this episode for me is an opportunity for us to dive into what can be in the way of creating this kind of intimacy and how we can surmount that. So I could see right away that, okay, so we run into messiness. We're connecting and we're communicating and we're having pleasure and things are happening and something goes south on us. So as a guy, my, you know, if something goes south on me while I'm trying to be intimate or I'm trying to connect or something and say, I'm not going to do that again. And so that's how it starts getting broken. We, we like decide we're going to check out of, of that intimacy part, that connection part, because sometimes that stickiness, that messiness, we don't want to deal with it. It's, it's a drama or whatever. And so can, can we just fuck? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious, but I mean, there's pitfalls in connection. Yeah. So I agree that that attitude it can be very much there for men, that it's 
very uncomfortable to dip into the messiness and therefore, you know, that desire, like, can we just keep it simple and surface and fuck? I mean, we have a whole culture built around that. And that's, that's why, because it ain't fun to get messy. And I want to talk about why the mess is so scary and painful for people. We tend to be attracted to people who are going to give us in challenging moments, the exact opposite of what we actually need. You know, if we're someone who needs space when we're hurting, we tend to attract people who are really needy and and want to follow us and, and have a hard time giving us that space. If we are someone who really needs to be physically held and loved on when we're hurting and, and having a hard time, we tend to be attracted to people who have a really hard time with physical touch when they're upset. We operate like magnets when it comes to attraction. And most of us had experiences in our formative years where a deep need wasn't met. And we tend to emulate the types of relationship dynamics that we saw going down in front of us when we were kids. So until we (laughs) step back and do the work to like, look under the hood and understand what we're naturally attracted to and what that tends to create for us in our experience. That's how people tend to feel like they attract the same type of person again and again and again. It's the dynamic they're attracted to. And it's counterintuitive, but we actually have to awaken to our current state and take stock of the results we've been creating in our life thus far and start to move differently in order to give ourselves an opportunity to start creating healthy connection with people. That requires entering relationship or getting to the point in an existing relationship where you each can say, this is what I need when things are messy. And this is what I need when things are messy. And how can we somehow meet both of those needs and have a plan for when things are messy so we both can feel supported and loved even in the messy parts? Because what tends to happen in our unconscious formation of relationships where we're simply looking to repeat that same dynamic we experienced growing up, we we have repeat experiences where we feel unloved and unseen during the mess. And that's extremely disconnecting and extremely disheartening for both people. So when we move into a space where we recognize that the mess is absolutely inevitable, it does not matter how conscious a being you are dealing with, how mature a being. We all have these younger parts of ourselves. We all have wounded parts of ourselves. We all have these emotional needs that arise during times when we're dealing with other humans who need different things and want different things. And our focus needs to be on embracing the mess, accepting the mess, allowing space for things to be fragile and messy and maybe a little tender and painful. And I was describing myself recently (laughs) during a situation where I feel conflict with a friend. I said, I feel like a mermaid caught up in a fishing net all tangled up and I'm trying to figure out how to free myself. And that's a very tender space to be. And it's also an unavoidable space to be on occasion when we're dealing with other feeling beings. So I can feel some of the men speaking to me in my life. Well, 
Can't you just buck up, honey, and put your big girl panties on and get your shit together? I mean, (laughs) you know that that's not how I see it, but there's a lot of... That's men's damage right there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of tough love that they've experienced. Yeah, that's what men's five-year-old received when they had feelings. Buck up, be a man. Mm-hmm. And so now that's all men know. Mm-hmm. Is it, like that's how they know how to respond to other mm-hmm. humans that are hurting. Buck up. I did it. Mm-hmm. I had to do it. Why can't mm-hmm. you? Right. That's a trauma response, actually, at its core. It's something that men have learned to identify with as being a man. It's actually a traumatized state of being when you cannot descend down into a state of compassion and empathy for what someone else is experiencing, even if it's different than how you would handle it or experience it. Okay. And you, Rocky, you personally possess that skill. That's that's a big part of why you have success doing what you're doing, because you create space for the present current state of whoever is sitting in front of you and you inform what you're doing and how things move forward based on that. That's what we're talking about when we talk about attunement. It's taking the information that is right here, right now, not trying to fix it or make it any different, working with it, supporting it, holding it as is, allowing it to be. That's the energy that you bring. And that's the energy that we're speaking to in these conversations and on this podcast is that a lot of men's desire to fix comes from the desire to avoid, to not experience, to not be with, to not hold space for. If I fix it, it goes away. Great. I don't have to deal with it. That's not what we're trying to do anymore. We're trying to take the information in front of us and come up with a plan to support it and move with it, hold it, love it as is. So from a little bit more of a masculine perspective, You don't have to do anything with it. Be present and listen. Just be, I don't want to necessarily say the word comforting because that's almost like a fix. Oh, let me hug you. That's what I'm supposed to do. Not necessarily. It's listen for sure and hear. You know, I think a big, big piece that we miss as guys is sometimes just letting her be able to go to the depths of what she really wants to say about how she's feeling is the cathartic experience for her that she needs that you listened and heard her and can like understand, can comprehend, can empathize. If you can empathize in these moments, you're, on the right path to more connection. Are you excited to explore the world of pleasure? If so, head to getting off with natalieandrocky.com where you can choose your own adventure. I also want to point out that our ability to not buck up, the fact that we experience to the depths that we do is ultimately a gift. And As a man, your life will be served by learning to recognize the feeling feminine for that which she is and meet her in feeling because that is healing for you. You have an inner feminine, just like we have an inner masculine. We all have both forms of energy and interplay happening within us. 
we need the balance in that energy. Women aren't asking you to be feminine because that's that's swinging the pendulum way too far over to our side of things and we don't want you over here. Like no, you go you go be on your end and you provide your balance over there. We like you there. And we're both occupying the whole spectrum between our polarities and connecting with each other at both ends in order to create understanding for each other, in order to allow each other to both feel seen. We women are pretty good at making you men feel understood when we love you and like want to be your supportive partner. Like we can be pretty good when we're not coming from a whole bunch of like harpy trauma. We can be really good at, at making you feel more like a man. The ability to have our present experience and to be with whatever is arising within our energetic field, our body, our emotions, and to feel safe with you in that and seen in that and held in that, that makes us feel more like women. It lets us be more feminine. You know, yeah, you can look at at that depth of feeling like an inconvenience because it's so different than how than how you operate. Or you can see it for the wisdom and the lessons and the gifts that it holds, that it opens to you in your experience that you wouldn't have access to if you were just running around on your lonesome self. So I got to chime in on that just a little bit. So guys, what I do in Yoni Massage is... I provide a safe place where women can come in and they can talk about what's going on with them. And then they get a massage that ends in a genital massage. And it's a fascinating dynamic from a guy's point of view, because think about this. So the a woman's coming in and she's got something going on. She's found me partly because she wants a genital massage, but she also sees that I create this safe space for her to kind of explain to uh, the masculine me that something hurts, something doesn't feel good about, you know, what's going on in my life and my relationships and my sexuality and all of these things. And so she comes and, and we sit in some chairs in the studio before we go to the session and we talk about it. And it's like, okay, so what's going on? And she'll tell me a story of, you know, something that's traumatic or hurtful or unfortunate or unhappy or something. And at the end of that, it's off her chest. And then she wants her genitals touched. Okay, so guys, here's the clue. They love this situation where they get to get something off their chest. They get to to reveal some of their inner secrets to a man, and then they are aroused. It's deeper than that. It's getting something off our chest, yes, and, and being heard, but it's also getting to feel like you understand the current fragility of our state and the level of tenderness that we require because of the whole picture of what is going on with our whole human. It allows us to hand our body over to you more easily when we know that, that you have fully received and understood everything that we are currently feeling in our body that doesn't necessarily feel good or, you know, that's, that's 
something that's been in the way of moving into relaxation and pleasure. When we have that feeling like you get it, you see us, that allows let it go. Yeah. So so now that he understands, maybe he's going to touch me with that in mind. Yes. And it lets us lean into healing, loving touch and receive that energy to support everything else that we're moving through. So for women, these messy times are a place where you can simply listen and very possibly act on something that you've heard and create a healing experience. And that is so connecting. That feels so loving. If you can get to the point where you fully stop thinking about messiness as a problem, it will help you so, so, so much. One of the biggest divides between men and women as women Every single month, we have messiness that arises in our body that we have absolutely zero control over, and it and it wreaks havoc over our experience. I am a 35-year-old woman, and every single month, I ask my girlfriends, why does my life feel like it's falling apart? Why is nothing working? Why don't I believe in myself anymore? Why is, why is the sky fucking falling? And they're like, Natalie, you're PMSing. <laughs> and I'm like, uh... Right. I forget. I literally, I have like period amnesia. I forget how dramatically my state shifts purely because of the functions of my body. And I'm, and I'm a lucky one. I have, a, I have a very, very pleasant menstrual experience compared to many women after much focus on nutrition and hormonal balance and all these things. And Women, if you struggle big time in this, I, I highly recommend finding other women who have wisdom in balancing hormones with nutrition. It is powerful shit. But it doesn't matter how balanced you are. Like the body doing what it needs to do in order to support the miracle of life is a wild ride. And as a man, you can you can either support that experience for us or you can make it a lot more difficult. <laughs> And every day when I'm like, why is the sky is falling? I'm powerless over losing my mind that day. It's not my fault. I just suddenly, like my feet leave the ground. And I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on right now. And I'm surrounded by people who love me and reflect me back to me lovingly and tenderly. And they go, hey, this is what's going on for you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like pretty quickly out of that experience. But, um, you know, if... If people around you don't know how to like lovingly reflect like, hey, you're not exactly being yourself right now. And I kind of suspect this is why. And, you know, say someone reflects that back to you in, in an accusatory way, God help the man. So our messiness and women are not the only messy ones. We just we just have it like clockwork in addition to being human messy. It's part of the beauty of our humanity. We cannot experience the exquisite levels of pleasure that are available to us without diving into the exquisite levels of pain we can experience. We are spectral beings across the board. And the more access we want to pleasure, the more we need to embrace the opposite end. It works the same way in intimacy. Embracing the mess and the time when it when it feels a little unsure and uncomfortable and like, mm, we're figuring this out together. But if you can like keep your focus on the fact that like you're both 
on a boat in rough seas together. You're not, you're not, there's no, it's not me against you in these times. Like you're, you're trying to figure out how to like just stay on your boat together when the seas are rough and find your way back to land. And that's just the nature of the ocean. Like she's gonna, she's gonna get choppy sometimes. And you don't, you don't blame the ocean. You don't, you don't like act like the choppiness is a problem. And how dare you? Like it just, it's the nature of life, right? Exactly. So, guys, I have a kind of a unique experience with this in what I do. So, it's really common that I'll get somebody sending me a text saying, "Can I get in today?" Right? I could do. Are you available today for a yoni session? And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Yeah, I can get you in." You know, this evening. Then two hours later, I get a message back. Oh, I have to cancel because I just started my period. And so sometimes this opens a dialogue sometimes because I now I understand and I'll come back and say, look, I'm not opposed. I don't have a problem with you coming in. You know, now I'm not worried about that. Us guys, we have a tendency to like go, oh, you're on your period. It's time for me to you know cut and run. Right. I'm out for a week. Peace out, baby. See you later. Right. But what I understand now from women is right on the verge of their period, they are so horny. They so crave our attention. Can be, some of us. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, 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 there's all kinds of things that happen, but I'm seeing the ones that are really horny. And you may be thinking you're not horny, but you may discover over time that that actually part of what you're feeling is that, right? So it's like, look, it, you know, Let's find something that's comfortable for you so that you can get, you know, some of what you need in this messy time. Now, that may mean that maybe you don't want something penetrating you that like brings out a whole bunch of blood or something like that. I mean, there's logistic issues and things that might feel embarrassing to you or something like that. Okay, I get that. You know, maybe something's happening and you've got a tampon and like maybe we're just doing some clit massage or something like that. So sex doesn't have to be off the table during this time of the month for both of you, right? And the result is at the end of this is, okay, so somebody goes, okay, well, I'm going to risk it. And in spite of the fact that it can feel embarrassing for women to let someone see a little bit of blood or something like that. And it, I, I don't care. It's just blood, right? It's no big deal. I mean, body fluids are body fluids. It, they, you know, you're wet one way or the other, right? So at the end of it, the relief for her is like so profound. And it may not be that it's a huge orgasm. I'm not suggesting that orgasms are any different or any better or any worse or anything like that. But the willingness of a man to engage during that time when it's needed, it's like, oh, that's so fulfilling for the woman to like have us be there during this messiness and like not make a big deal out of it. This sounds kind of small, you know, to you maybe, Natalie, but for us guys, we still don't understand it. And so guys. Yeah. No, it's not small at all. It's not that complicated. You know, don't don't run away from this. This is not the time to run away. This is the time to come close. I agree. We we love a man who's not afraid of menstruation. I think there are definitely some men out there who have adopted the attitude that you have, which is mature and one that we women certainly have had to adopt about our own periods. Like 
if we're going to be weird about it, that's a lot of an unnecessary suffering. <laughs> so I do just want to kind of plug because I, I, I want to be careful about men making assumptions. Women's experiences on their period range so, so much. There is a huge range of experiences and preferences. And so amen, yes to coming in closer during that time. And there's a very important reason why women have the red tent. It may be that we want nothing to do with you during this time because we are so engulfed in everything that is happening for us. And it's so stimulating what's going on in our bodies. We don't want further stimulation. For me personally, it totally depends on what's happening for me in a particular cycle. There are some times when I'm unbearably horny leading up to my period, which is more about things in that area um, being engorged with with blood and like getting you know getting ready to move through the process of menstruation. Um, and there's times when that feels like intense turn on. Everything's kind of like achy and like okay, yeah, give it to me. And there's times when like that's precisely how I want to start my period is is with a penis. That'd be really great. Hasn't been an option for me in a while. But there's also months when I feel like a motherfucking cave troll. And if you look at me the wrong way, I'm going to scream it. And I have become an emotionally intelligent and mature enough person to voice, hey, I feel like a motherfucking cave troll right now. Warning, warning. Like, don't try to treat me like a normal person right now. I'm going to my red tent. <laughs> but that's part of this process of becoming more intimately connected. Like we each need to be able to be aware of what's going on for us emotionally and what our present state is and be able to to vocalize it to the other person and share like, this is where I'm at right now. This is what's alive in me. <laughs> All right. And so here we are, here you are in the thick of it, this moment, literally, I can even hear your voice cracking a little bit, you know, <laughs> that's a little different than the other day when we spoke. And yet we can still communicate. We can still talk. We can still have a rational conversation. Yeah, I feel something is different. I feel, I can hear it, that under certain circumstances, you could explode. There's intensity there. Right? I mean, if I, if I push the wrong buttons, now I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to push somebody's buttons the wrong way. You know, I work on attunement because I understand, you know, how beneficial it is. And so, you know, it's not that hard for us guys to like take another, a little different footing in this situation and just be a little bit more empathetic, a little bit more compassionate. And let's continue to have the conversation. And if you need to tell me, ladies, okay, you know what? I, I just really don't want to talk right now. You know, everything that comes out of your mouth feels irritating to me. And it's not you. Normally this wouldn't, none of this would bother me, but right now I, I, I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to hear what anybody has to say. You know, I'm, I'm just feeling irritable. That is very much a reality of our experience that like when the hormones are messing with us, suddenly our attitude about life shifts dramatically. And it's so easy to fall into into like victim mode with like everything in life because everything hurts and everything feels bad. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and so it, it can be 
the mature choice in that case to just like get some space and and to verbalize I'm not capable of like being a non-cave troll right now. I do want to say that one of the things that I have observed in my work with clients and my own experience is we really need to draw a distinction between attacking someone with our feelings versus experiencing and embodying our feelings with someone. Because our current collective culture, it's very normalized to feel attacked by feelings. I could hear it in your voice when you're describing how you can hear the difference in my voice. There's a natural fear of my intensity there. And it's justified that the amount of rage I'm presently capable of expelling from my body with the right trigger being pressed is, is impressive. Yeah, I'm tapped into my roots down in Mama Earth. Like, it's Mama Earth rage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fuck you motherfuckers for destroying my planet. <laughs> that Wow, I really tapped in. But emotional intelligence doesn't mean not feeling your feelings with other people. When there's messiness, when there's conflict, we need to have space to be embodied in the feeling and be able to talk about it without necessarily directing it at the other person. And also we need to draw a distinction just because messiness might have been triggered by an interaction with someone. To be with the other person in that feeling, that doesn't mean that you're being blamed for that feeling. That doesn't mean that you're accepting responsibility for it. And the fact that you were involved in its triggering definitely shouldn't mean that the other, that the person who's triggered should blame you for it. We're simply noticing when the person in, that we're with has stepped into something messy. And we're not going to treat them like a problem for being messy. We're not going to treat them like they don't deserve our connection or our love just because they stepped into something messy. We're going to lean in with some curiosity and a little bit of reminder of like, hey, I'm here. What's going on, messy? Right? We have our knee-jerk reaction is to feel so offended when people are messy. Right. And we need, we need to depersonalize a little bit and, be, and just kind of be, step into observer mode. Oh, I see you're messy right now. Let me put my investigator hat on. What's going on? Yes. This is the optimum practice session for us guys. One of our notes here that we're going to talk about here momentarily is attunement is foreplay. And so if we can take this messy moment and delve into practicing our attunement, it, it might be a little wild. It might be, uh, okay, I didn't see that one coming or whatever, but just stay put and be adult. Just stay your course. And, you know, like you say, you know, kind of delve in a little bit and listen and be attentive uh, at this moment. And what's going to happen if you can do this in this time when it's messy, it's going to be much easier on the days when it's not messy, you're going to see, oh, we're moving out of this and things are, you know, like clearing up and we can actually talk and connect in a, a more connected level now because, you know, it was a little, it, it feels a little fragmented during this time. It's like, it's choppy, right? But that's okay. That's okay. This is a practice opportunity. Yeah. The seas are choppy and the potential for it to feel like you're still both on the boat on the same team, like riding through the choppy is very much there. Mm -hmm. I would like to plant the seed for men that if you feel deeply uncomfortable with someone else's messy, it is likely triggering something that is messy in you. 
and you would rather avoid and walk away and not deal, then take a deeper look at what's coming up for you that makes you feel repulsed by someone else's mess. We do a lot of self-rejection by not engaging in our intimate relationships by rejecting parts of people that we're relating to. We make it about the other person and how they're being the problem right now when the reality is we're not just willing to be there with that part of them and therefore also that part of ourselves. Okay. So that I'd say let's move into next week and attunement is foreplay. So, so we've practiced, you know, trying to be attuned and maybe it works, you know, when she's on her period, maybe not, but you, you get to practice every month. So, you know, you'll get better at it. And now we're into the next week and where are we going with attunement is foreplay. For men across the board, if you're doing the work to try to create emotional intimacy, you ain't going to have to worry about getting laid. Mm. Like, okay. We want sex when we feel connected. The only time I want to be touched on my period is when it feels safe and in- intimate and emotionally connected to like where I, I currently am. Extra safe. Extra safe. Extra aware of where I currently am because it's a very fragile state. It's not a very fun one for me to be in. And if you're going to join me there, you better honor what's going on for me or you're not really fully with me. We're not fully engaged. If you can create that kind of connection with me where you're still making me feel seen and loved even when I'm acting a little batshit and you're doing nice things for me and like, you know, maybe taking a little bit of the extra load while I'm on my period or like giving me a little extra space for myself and going out of your way to just make sure that I'm getting my my own needs met so that I can move into feeling better. Like, that's exactly what makes me want to then, you know, next time I'm feeling like I'm frisky, yeah, I want to give you a blowjob. I want to thank you for being sweet to me and considerate and thoughtful and making space for me not being in a great place. Well, and we're getting an opportunity to demonstrate that we can up our ability to be safe, right? Because we're looking for extra safety. When I say extra safety, I'm talking about you know, putting a lot of our attitudes that society has suggested that we have about periods on hold and killing the attitudes, killing the attitudes and and being present with one woman. Okay. The somebody we love, right. And, and understanding her and being more aware of what's going on for her extra safe. So we do that. And now the next week now, we could still apply some extra safety and look at what that looks like, what that feels like, how that plays out when it's not necessarily called for. And this is what I'm doing that is so successful for me is what used to be my extra safe is now safe. And I'm going even deeper into what is extra safe. Yeah, the current bar for safety is on the motherfucking floor between men and women in intimacy. It is so low. And yes, I love what you just said, that that what used to be your extra safe has become your norm. That's what we need from you. That's like we need that level of awareness 
and realizing that that should be the norm, that safety should always be the norm. I'm so thankful that we're creating this podcast and having these conversations because sometimes things come out of my mouth during these conversations. And I'm like going back and I'm listening to our our edited episodes. And I'm just like, holy shit. It's 2023. I cannot believe that I am still sitting here feeling like I need to say something as simple as safety should be the norm. But we truly are still in a state where this is not understood, even by the sweetest, most well-meaning men who have not engaged in this inquiry, who have not really gone into looking at what women's experience is like in this. Quick history. So I used to advertise for women to help participate in the videos of the best she's ever had. And one woman came to me and, you know, she understood what I was doing. And she said, I want to have you film a session with me in the middle of my period when I have the most flow. Basically, she's saying when I'm bleeding the most, that's when I want you to have the camera pointed at what you're doing and show men that pleasure still happens when I'm bleeding and I still like it and I'm still engaged. And it was really kind of a profound experience for me, not so much doing the session, but her attitude about, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to show men that it's okay, that, you know, that we still, you know, have feelings about pleasure sometimes in the middle of our period. And there are things that you can do that the only consequence is that some of the wetness is blood as opposed to sexual secretions or whatever the case may be. So it's on us guys to look at this with a new perspective that this is not, you know, this messy time has opportunities in it. I want to say that men desire this deeper level of emotional intimacy as well. They mostly just don't realize it because of how early on in life they were disconnected from that need and that desire and how baked into men's cultural identity it is that they should not need in that way. But all men in their heart of hearts, in their sweet little young, innocent, inner child boy, they all need to be seen on the same level that women do. They all need to be held in that same way. They all need to be connected with in that way. And if they think they don't, it's because they've told themselves they don't because that's what they felt they had to do. We all inherently need to be able to embody and experience and express our emotions in intimate relationships and not hide what is happening for us in a present moment. We all need to have safe space where we can feel past pains that we haven't acknowledged before or that, you know, that came up for us as a result of dealing with somebody in the present. We all need space to fall apart and be messy and still be sure that we're safe and loved 
I really think a lot of this work is men seeing and honoring this need in themselves, too. It's not just about figuring out how to show up and be there for women and like find your way in. And you're finding your way into you. Well, there's a lot to be said here for the law of reciprocation. I mean, it's like, okay, so there are times uh, I'm going to admit that women will take the buck up, put your big boy panties on, you know, kind of attitude and discount our emotions. It, it happens, right? I mean, there, there are women that buy into that. And so sometimes we have to push our emotions down the same way you do. It's, and- it's patriarchal programming. Like women and men can buy into patriarchal programming the same. It's not a gendered thing. But yes, like there are definitely women who are hungry to squash anything that appears as weakness in men because that's how they maintain their own sense of safety in a relationship. But that's wounded patriarchal thinking. That's like simply a result of not having learned how to create healthy safety with each other in the first place. So if you're in this kind of a situation with a woman who kind of has some of that propensity, the law of reciprocation is that you give her more compassion in the time that she needs it. Her propensity is going to be reciprocate and be a little bit more compassionate when you need it. So this is how that connection grows and gets deeper. And you start like unraveling some of that bullshit that society has put on both of us. Yeah, you hope for that. You certainly can't expect reciprocation when you're extending and offering yourself because that that gets into transactional thinking. But that's why I'm always referring to relationships as doing a dance together because the only thing that you can do is change the footwork on your end of the dance, decide that you're going to start to move your your feet differently. In this case, that means you're going to make a conscious effort to extend more compassion and safety and presence to your partner when they're messy, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're making the decision to move your feet that way, and you're going to do so for a while without any expectation that your partner meet you there that, or that they make it easy for you or that they immediately find their own footwork doing your new dance with you. You're going to do so expecting that while you move your feet in a new way for a little bit, the other person is going to have a what the fuck moment because their old dance doesn't work anymore because you're doing something new and they they aren't quite sure what their new footwork looks like. It's pretty rare for someone to immediately slide into a new rhythm with someone else unless unless that person is a very accomplished embodied leader, which there are definitely men like that. It's yummy. But there's going to be some time while the other person is learning this new way that you're showing up and deciding how they're going to show up. It's processing time. And so anytime I really discourage focusing on how your partner is going to reciprocate your efforts. All I'm saying is kindness begets kindness. Yes. As long as you're focusing on embodying your values and and what you're trying to convey through your side of the dance, the person that you love is going to have an opportunity to meet you there in their own timing and find and find their own new way to dance with you. Okay. 
All right. Moving on a little bit. <laughs> I told you I have intensity today. Regular communication. And I, th- I, I think, well, yeah, I mean, you know, people can really kind of see you know, how this really plays out. I mean, I, I'm not going to necessarily address every single thing that you say because you make a point and I don't disagree with it. And it may be, you might be saying some of the same thing I'm saying, you're just saying it in a different way and more the, the feminine perspective or maybe the perspective of your mood. I don't know, but that's kind of the deal here. I don't have to fix it, but I'm here and I'm listening. That's why I like that we're having these conversations so much, because of course, I'm going to say it in a very different way than you are. And I mean, it, part of that is because I am an individual with a very particular way of expressing myself. And we also have present that you think about things very differently as a man. I think about things very differently as a woman. And I do think that there's a ton of overlap. And even the overlap is expressed very differently. And I think we're giving people an opportunity to hear a lot of that overlap here. Absolutely. What we wanted to say about presence was simply to uh, move out of any, any sense of performance in your intimate engagement. That what we've been talking about this whole episode is that our goal is to meet each other in the authenticity of where we really are. And if you're trying to pretend or perform with sexual engagement with each other during times when there's emotional stuff that maybe isn't being acknowledged or is like being shoved in the corner while you're just like trying to get it on, you're going to step a lot more into performance. And that's when you get women having these experiences where they're like either not getting to get much pleasure out of the engagement or they're pretending to just to kind of move through it more quickly. (laughs) Well, in this conversation, I'd like to point out that theatrics can be in the communication too, in the in the conversation. It's like today, I could be trying to be theatrical about my communication with you to like avoid having to deal with, you know, some of what's going on with you or something like that or or, Some of what I'm verbally slapping you in the face with. Yeah, whatever the case may be. I mean, we could utilize techniques of communication that are not authentic to cope or to try and fix things or whatever whatever the case may be. And this is exactly the worst thing to do. It's like, okay, well, just uh, you know, be honest. It's like, gosh, Natalie, you're. It sounds like you're angry with me. I, no, I'm just kidding. I don't feel like you're angry with me. But I mean, you know, if, if that's the case. Gosh, now you sound scary. <laughs> the theatrics would be, okay, well, you're PMSing, so I'm not going to talk to you now. Yeah, avoidance. I mean, that That is what performance is, is sort of like leaving the fullness of your experience and just focusing on this tiny aspect of it. I had this life experience that really was one of the things that contributed to me arriving on this like strange blowjob queen path of mine. (laughs) But I was married for many years and in the very common way that happens with marriages, we lost uh, a lot of that intimate connection and passion over the years. And by the time my marriage ended, we had been in a long-standing pattern of very little engagement and very emotionally disconnected engagement. And toward the end of my 
marriage, I reconnected with my first love, my high school boyfriend. It was just the universe bumped him back into my experience. Because you, Hussy. <laughs> his grandfather died. Yeah, this is this is definitely an interesting part of my story. It it got painted one way during the unraveling of my marriage. I definitely got painted as a hussy. The truth of the experience was much more complex and complicated, and they will forever remain two sides of the story. But for me, I was moving from a very unhealthy connection, one in which we both tried our best and really were unaware of the ways that we were interacting with each other through our wounds. And when I reconnected with my my first love, we always had a deeper emotional connection. And, and he always was a person who made it easy for me to feel safe with him. I think it, I think it had a lot to do with the, the way that he played with me. Play feels very safe um, and invites a lot of opening. And so I had an experience with him and it was like one experience took place on one planet and the other was on a completely different planet. It was night and day. It was life in black and white versus life in color. And it really put together for me that it was because I was being related to in my wholeness. It was because of the presence of this, this deeper connection and there being space for all the things and a space lacking in shame and a space that just felt easier to just like relax into being me. And I went from being very physically shut down to suddenly like bursting to life and feeling like, like I suddenly remembered that I was a sexual being again. And it really, you know, after, after years and years of that experience, it really put into perspective for me that like this, this is marriage for a lot of people that they just fall into that that rhythm and that dynamic. And once you're in it, you don't know how to get out. What my former husband and I did was just bitch at each other about the problem. And guess how effective that is? That's, you know, that's what you tend to do until you learn a better way. Bitching at each other about the problem, making the other person the problem is never going to work. You will never hear me say that my former husband is the reason why our marriage didn't work. It was a two-way street. It was a dance. It was a dynamic and I was playing my part of the toxicity just as much as he did. I didn't know at the time, and he didn't know at the time. I think, you know, a lot of people of any age can relate to owning that maybe they had something to do with the demise of a relationship just as much as the other person did. It is the biggest red flag if someone stands in victimhood over a previous relationship because it means that they haven't taken the time to learn anything about how they might have been responsible for co-creating what they experienced. That is not an individual that I would trust with my heart because if they haven't taken the time to examine how they could have done things differently, they're not going to be very conscientious about how they're moving forward with me. Yeah. And I'm almost twice as old as Natalie here and have had maybe more failures of relationships in my life. And I'm so fortunate to be with someone who also has had failures. And it it really is, you know, a situation where your failures 
are your stepping stones to your successes. Because we both have seen a lot of things that we did wrong. And we both, you know, we talk about the things that we did wrong, the part we played in making things go badly in former relationships and, you know, how it feels to, you know, be in a situation where we can try again and get it right this time. This comes back to embracing the messiness, right? Mm, oh, the, so lessons, the lessons are in the mistakes. The information that you need to move forward and to come closer to each other is in the fuck-ups. So mm. when if we can drop this attitude that the fuck-ups, that the messies are bad, like the messy, mm-hmm. we can... Mm-hmm. Like we, we stop struggling nearly as much in life. So much of the struggle comes from making something that is normal problematic. Yeah. Something that is actually a required part of the process to create intimacy. We have to have the times where we're feeling jumbled and figuring it out because that's the time in between like when we're finding the new steps in the dance that we're doing together. Yeah. It, we're either going to keep doing the same dance forever or we're going to occasionally have those times where we're like, well, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, we're finding the new dance. Well, I can definitely say that in hindsight, looking back, it was avoidance of the messiness that prevented us from having communication that could have made a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just knowing that if you're going to commit to someone, that means that you're going to ride out these times together where you both feel like you're tripping over your feet and you're trying to find the better way to do it. And it doesn't devalue either one of you to have these experiences. It doesn't make anything wrong with either one of you. All these differences we currently have, all these beliefs we're trying to unlearn that have been you know, installed in us via culture and upbringing, none of that's wrong. It's just in the same way that the lessons are in the fuck-ups, there's power and strength in the pain, right? When we accept that, okay, if we can treat everything in our life as neutral and realize that we are the ones that give it meaning, yeah, I went through some pain and I, I can either make it mean that I'm weak and I can be hurt or I can make it mean, look how strong and brave I was for moving through that and look how strong and brave I can be moving into the future, Look how resilient I am. Mm, Yeah. So we're running out of time, but I want to give people something that they can do with this today. And so we had an action exercise, and that is going to the messy a little bit, looking, you know, looking at your life and seeing, you know, something that you're avoiding that's messy and seeing if you can't take that head on and go to your partner or go to someone that you've got something messy with and say, you know, there's something a little off here and I'd like to see if we could talk about it in a constructive way and make it better. So uh, I'm suggesting people confront something that's a little messy. That's a real challenge. I think that's a great suggestion. And I want to suggest that if you are repulsed by that suggestion that you ask for some support from someone in exploring why you feel repulsed and just, yeah, just asking for support from someone in a conversation of like, you know, if looking at your own messiness sounds like a really terrible idea, why is that? What's there for you? 
Mm-hmm. Are you available to consult with somebody that's got some messiness that thinks maybe you could help them with that? Yes. My offerings are definitely a bit more of a commitment. If you're interested in working with me, I encourage people to find their way to my Facebook audience in particular, just to get to know me as a person a little more. Because if you want to do a deep dive in intimacy with me, you're going to be with me for three to six months. And I can certainly do a consultation call to talk about what what that would look like and what that experience would be like. But know that if you're coming to me, the intention is that we're going to take everything that feels scary right now and shine light on it and help you see that you are the bringer of the meaning and that you can mine those things that are scary for treasure, really. So I warmly encourage anyone with a burning desire and know that like you got to be ready to swim in some deep waters with me. Okay. And so I'm a little bit more of a short-term fix. If you want to just tackle one little thing, that is a little bit more my forte. So you can reach out to me for that. And I would say that's it for our show today. So touch bases with us uh, based on, you know, the level of your needs at this time. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. For more resources and ways to work with us, visit gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Please don't forget to follow, rate, review, and share the show. Join us again next week for another stimulating episode. We're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure. 